breakfast later. All right. <laughs> Father, I thank you for Phil. Lord, he's a, a man of power. He's your man, Lord. Father God, I pray for him this evening that your Holy Spirit will anoint him and bless him. I pray, Father God, that as he gives out, what he receives, Lord, will be even mm. double, treble, quadruple, Lord. Mm. So in Jesus' name, we pray um, a blessing, release a blessing on Phil now in Jesus' name. Come, Holy Spirit of God. Come upon him and bless him in Jesus' name. Mm. Amen. Thank Amen. you, Lord. Lord, I just praise you and thank you for Phil. And Father, I pray for all of us that we'll have open hearts and open ears to hear what Phil's saying and to take it into ourselves, Lord, and to bless you, Father, um, in obedience and joy and thanksgiving. Amen. 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 Thank you for that. Man of power. I receive that. It was better than one other time that John prophesied over me. Back in the chapel, he said he calls the foolish things to shame the wise <laughs> and the weak things to confound the strong. <laughs> no, you were right. <laughs> oh, that's good. Right, I should have a PowerPoint. Is it is it alive? Yes. Oh, it's widescreen. That's exciting. Didn't do that by design, but uh, that's how it appears to have come up. It, this is our month. For those of you who are visiting amongst us, we have we have uh, monthly themes that we've been going through for a couple of years to reinforce the foundations of uh, kingdom foundations of what we're about. And this is a month of salvation and righteousness which is quite exciting, but we haven't done it much justice, have we? Because we've had barbecues and picnics and it's been some holidays and everyone's been having a lovely time. But we did have baptisms, which is very good. Six people got baptised. Anyway, this gives us a little chance and um, coincidentally, what I've got to say does sort of fit in with it, which is good. So, let's, let's go on. Our declaration for... Hello? Uh, there we go. The Lord is adding to the church those who are being saved, and that is correct, because people have been coming into a knowledge of Jesus and getting joined into the church and getting joined onto us, and, and other people as well are, are being joined onto us. And, I mean, this is testament, isn't it? But here we are on a Sunday evening. Um, it is Sunday, isn't it? Yeah. Sunday evening, the night before bank holiday, and we're quite full. I mean, this is our sort of skeleton set of meetings over the summer, but we've actually been quite full whenever we've got together, and uh, the Lord is adding to our number. Uh, but we shouldn't be surprised, because that's exactly what he said he would do. And I want to start off with a, with a scripture from Isaiah. Um, let's uh, bring it up there. And this was given to us multiple times in the last year, by random people who came in, sometimes on evenings when there was almost no one here. <laughs> so it wasn't kind of looking around thinking, oh, this is very buoyant, and therefore I'm going to prophesy this over you. But let's read it out anyway. Sing, O childless woman, you who have never given birth, break into loud and joyful song, O Jerusalem. 
You who have never been in labor, for the desolate woman now has more children than the woman who lives with her husband, says the Lord. Next one. Enlarge your house, build an addition. That's an extension. That's American for extension, we say over here, don't we? Uh, Build an extension, spread out your home, and spare no expense. You will soon be bursting at the seams. Your descendants will occupy other nations and resettle the ruined cities. Fear not, you will no longer live in shame. Don't be afraid, there is no more disgrace for you. You will no longer remember the shame of your youth and the sorrows of widowhood. And this was a prophecy given over Israel, obviously, back in the Old Testament. But, you know... The way the Word of God comes alive to us when the Holy Spirit quickens it to someone and says, I believe the Lord is saying this to you, and kind of gives it. And that that little bit of scripture from the Old Testament comes alive and suddenly has a whole lot of power for where we are right now. And sure enough, no sooner had half a dozen people said this than it begins to happen. And uh, it's, it's very exciting that the Lord is adding to our number and we are having to kind of really think about how we respond to it. Okay, you know, um, some of you will have heard me talk about how I felt like the Lord was saying you're going to need to go to a bigger place and I was having a chat with someone this week and, you know, it, it sort of came to my realisation that this might not be wholly exciting to everyone. Um, uh, but l- let me assure you, it's not completely by design. This is not Phil thinking, what I really want is a big church, because that will really give us some status in the area, you know, or whatever. This is something that the Lord has said is going to happen. And, you know, I have got as many concerns as probably many of you have about that. I mean, we don't have a lot of experience of what happens when a church gets big. We've, we've had 17 years now as the lighthouse since we started. We started with like 20 people in a lounge, and it was all quite snug. And uh, we had a lot of fun, didn't we, Mike and Joe, <laughs> turning the place upside down with all our kind of three-year-olds and everything and wrecking the place. And uh, we gradually sort of grew and moved on, and we sat at around about you know, 100 people for quite quite a long time, really. And it's quite a comfortable number, that, in a way. It all sort of works quite well, because you all know each other very well. You you can be very intimate with each other and, and all of that sort of stuff. And, um, you know, you get to look after each other's kids and, and, and have dinners together. And, and you know each person and meet them quite regularly. But then, actually, as things start getting bigger, it gets a little bit challenging, because it becomes less easy to know everyone. And I don't know if you're the same as me, but I come in sometimes and think, who the dickens are these people? Where have they come from? <laughs> you know, and there's like, there are quite often new faces every week. And uh, it, it's kind of a bit disconcerting for me sometimes, and I'm leading the thing, you know. <clears throat> but, but nonetheless, it's exciting, because... I believe we are coming into a, a, a new time and a season for the Lighthouse. Now, I've said this before. I've been saying that we've been launching into it, but it is happening around us now, okay? 
So this is me just sort of explaining a little bit about what's going on. And uh, we have had a word over us for, for a long time, almost since the lighthouse began, that we would be involved in training and equipping. And this, I mean, it was, I think, partly came from the time we spent with Kingdom Faith Church, and we used to go along to um, Faith Camp in Peterborough. You, you go to that, don't you? Faith Camp in Peterborough every year, and uh, all our kids went through the Power Pack and all of that stuff, and it was great. It was really a, a good time, and they had a they had a college at Roffey Place. Um, and we saw it and thought, wow, that's amazing, because they had these students who'd come and spend a year with them and uh, just they'd eat together, sleep together, wash up together, pray together, worship together, you know, day in, day out for a year. And we saw that there was actually a lot of power and passion released from those people just being together. And I sort of looked onto it and thought, if I had a church, I think I'd like one of those. And um, I, I felt like the Lord said, right early on in the days, you're going to have one. You're gonna, there is going to be one associated to the lighthouse. And, and then, of course, it's been confirmed time and time again by various people, prophetic voices that have uh, prophesied over Heather and myself that, yeah, that, it, that is going to happen. There's, now, what I believe then about this season and what this gathering of people is about, why, why people are sort of finding their way to us, is because we are coming into a season of training and equipping. I, I seriously think that we're going to come into a time when a lot of people are going to become Christians all at once. And we're not going to be quite sure what's going on. And, um, and neither will we be able to really cope with it terribly well, because... Actually, we're very sort of set in our routines and everything, and everyone's doing their own little thing, and everyone's lives are actually quite full. You know that if you try and kind of get someone around for dinner or something, you know, it's like, it's quite difficult to do it because we've got the schedule of different things. Now, if suddenly a lot of people decide, yeah, this, this makes sense to me, I'd like to become a Christian, I'd like to come and join the church, and you get, say, like several hundred people come at the same time, it's going to be a bit of a challenge. Um, and, and I think that is going to happen. I feel that is what God is saying to us, that to prepare ourselves for increase, everything is sort of pointing at that. Everything that he's been saying to me, everything in the way that he's been leading me, has been pointing to the fact that people are going to get added on. And... Um, the question is, what, what do we do? Do we, do we kind of say, right, shut the doors, change the code on the gate, we'll stop a few people getting in, let's kind of maintain where we're at and say, no, no more visitors, we'll just, we're, we've, got, we've got more than enough here for this little room here. Or do we respond in the way that God is saying to allow people to stretch wide your tent curtains Strengthen the stakes that are in there and uh, strengthen the guy ropes, get them all kind of plugged in, but get those curtains wide and make more space. Make more space to welcome people in. And I, I feel what he's saying is, is the latter, that we are to make more space. Now, I'm, I'm, you know, we haven't got it all worked out at all. 
not even a little bit, really, um, because, you know, how do you, how do you do church when it gets quite big? How do you maintain a sense of family? I mean, one of the things that quite often people are attracted to in the lighthouse is the sense of family that there is, the fact that people know each other, people you know, are pleased to see each other and, and do things. So how do you maintain that at the same time as growing and, and getting bigger? And, now, you know, there's, and there's lots of different answers to that question. It's a bit of a rhetorical one, really. You know, you can kind of plant out into different areas. You can have lots of small churches and... There's lots of different solutions, but the solution that we have to get is the one that the Holy Spirit is whispering into our hearts at that time, because I don't think it's the same for every single church, you know. And uh, he has given us kind of an inkling that we're to get a bit bigger and just cope with it for a while. So I hope that's okay, and I hope we can go with it and um, just help us to work it out for goodness sake because it's it is going to get messy i I can i can guarantee that i mean life is pretty messy at the best of times isn't it um but i think it is going to get messy as as lots of people come in but i think it'll be exciting as well you know some of the indicators that the lord has given us that this is going to happen is you know i i felt him whisper into my heart a little while back that we had to sort of make room for about 500 people to sit down. Um, do you remember me saying that like a few months ago in one of the talks? And um, and so well, I start thinking about it. This is how it works. You know, I get this little whisper in and I, I cogitate on it a bit and I externally process with Heather and she leaps off and starts planning it all out. And I say, no, no, we're not there yet. <laughs> and we have this to and fro that goes on. Um, <clears throat> but you know, things begin to emerge and we begin to explore little ideas of how we we might do it. And and of course, now, I think you'll agree that this place is, is just getting too small because here we are on a Sunday evening. We're, you know, this is quite nice for the number of people we've got here. But we've got no kids here. Half the people are away on holiday. <laughs> and it's like, I mean, seriously, we've just reprinted the address list and there's kind of about, there's around about 200 and... 30 on it now and so if 230 people turned up here at the same time it would be hot and sweaty even more hot and sweaty than it is now and so something's got to be done and so we're, we're beginning those things and one of the very exciting things that's happened is of course that this theatre has, has appeared and uh, in one of my talks with the headmaster he says why don't you come and be church here this is a lovely building, and uh, so, you know, that, and that's one thing that we're, we're going to do. We're going to go in, and from October, um, we're actually going to start our Sunday morning meetings in the Olympic Theatre, which is called, within the school, The City, which I think is interesting. You know, the old temporary buildings, when the school last burnt down ten years ago, uh, was called The Village, and this one's called The City, they've decided, and it's, it's very beautiful. And it came down from the uh, Olympic Village, um, where it was the canteen for the athletes. So, and uh, we're, we're planning to go in there, and we're getting everything ready. And that's, that's just there. That's just suddenly become available for us. And um, that's very, very exciting. Um, and, you know, 
as we begin to push out on these things, it, it just seems like the favour of God is on it. This is not something that we're striving to make happen. It's just like we're having a little idea and think, oh, let's try that, and whoosh, suddenly it happens. And, I mean, for example, just as we're going in there, of course, uh, our good friend Bob Kilpatrick says, oh, John Arnott's in the area. Do you fancy having him down to the church for a while and uh, for a couple of days? Yes, we do, we said, because we like all the guys from there. And uh, so we've organised a two-day conference, and I can't believe it. We've had over 500 people booking for each night, so it is, it is chocker. I don't even know if there's 500 chairs there yet. I didn't manage to get in on Friday to go and count them. But I'm hoping that we can... I'm hoping we can rustle up 500 chairs from somewhere, otherwise we might be bringing the ones down from here. Um, but that'll be a really good tester for us. But it's just, I don't think we've ever had 500 people to anything around here for a long time. I mean, Waves of Spirit probably like 20 years ago when, and Connect, of course, yeah, that's, well, that's partly what's, what's been going on, I think. But I think it is a sign of, of God's favour that he is stirring the hearts of people in the land to get ready for something, to get ready for some increase, to get ready for some people becoming Christians around us. And, and I say about blooming time too. It will be really exciting and I think there is nothing more exciting than introducing someone to Jesus and bringing them into the kingdom. And this is what? salvation and righteousness is all about so anyway let's uh, yeah go on what's what what's the next thing on there let's oh yeah this is a bit of a eclectic little message this but strange enough i had a, as i was waking up this morning i had a dream and i had a dream that i had in my hand this object now, this is a two-dimensional representation of what was in three dimensions in my hand because it had an arrow going up, it had a, 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 a two-way arrow going through it, and then it had another one coming through at this angle going out. But I've sort of done it with some colours here, so here's the one going up, here's the one going both ends, and there's the one going out. And I felt like this is what our stakes are. You know, it says strengthen your stakes. And uh, I don't mean barbecued steaks and all of that stuff. They mean the steaks that hold the whole thing together. And I think it's, it's what we've got to keep our eyes on. It's what we've got to stay focused on. And it is staying connected to God, remaining committed to each other in some way, however, however that looks, and, and the relationships we've made and continue to build on those, but then constantly reaching out. And I think, these are the three ingredients that will keep a church healthy and will keep kind of the blood coursing through our veins and keep things exciting. And, you know, I'm sure we've all been in places where the focus has, has been very heavily on any one of those things. And it gets a bit intense, doesn't it? I mean, I think we've been in places where everything gets very inward looking and you get kind of deep counselling sort of focus on things and uh, but you lose track of the reaching out to others and all of that sort of stuff well these things need to be kept in balance so I, I want to um, 
kind of look at some of these. Staying connected to God. Uh, uh, let me just skim over these very quickly because we're going to focus on the last one. Um, yeah, go, go back to my diagram if you would. Um, but staying connected to God, basically, it, you know what the lighthouse is about. We, we put a very strong emphasis on worship and on the presence of God. And that needs that to remain strong. That needs to remain a very strong focus of what we're about. That we constantly come into his presence. That we constantly seek his, his manifest glory amongst us. That we encourage and disciple people to pursue God for themselves. And to stay connected with the Father. And really understand the Father's heart for them that uh, he's not kind of a mean old God up there throwing lightning bolts down at anyone who does something wrong. But he's actually a loving father who is looking for his children. It's contagious. It's going over. Be over there before you know what's happened. But that's what Father God is about. And we need to um, constantly remind each other and teach each other and disciple each other and disciple new people coming in that that's what father is like and teach them how to um how to get stuck in and one of the things i'm very excited about of course is we've got our kingdom life school coming up which is brian and nath's brainwave and uh, and a few others who it's building and uh, it, it's pretty good. Well, I think we've got about 10 people from outside the church booked on and about 30 people inside the church who want to help and come along and get stuck in. But it's all good. It's all good. We want as many people to come along. And I think, you know, having been on various things in the past where I've gone to other churches, there is something about putting a week aside to, to get in the presence of God. Because, it, like, on day one, it's all a bit cold and frosty and everyone's a bit uncomfortable and but then by the end of the day you sort of know each other a bit and you're getting into the into the worship oh well my beautiful assistant is demonstrating now but then day two it begins to hot up a little bit and then day three you know you're getting a little and it builds it builds through the week and generally a little bit like soul survivor really it's like because you're there for five days Things begin to happen over the time, and by the time you get to day five, you're on a bit of a high, and things are really going. So, if you can make space for this, I think it's going to be a really fun time. And you will meet with the presence of God. You will uh, have an experience of God that you've not had before. We've got David and Faith Daly coming down for the first day to open things up and to teach on the Father Heart of God, and we've got... Mary and Judith towards the end of the week coming to teach on prophetic and, uh, and a plethora of other things in between. It is going to be very, very exciting. So that's a, that's a good thing. The evenings are just open. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, come along and get stuck in. And we'd encourage as many people to come along as possible. Um, good so that's staying connected to God and staying committed to each other we do need to constantly build family um, we need to be able to maintain that sense of family as I've been talking about and, and find ways to interact within a mechanism that is getting constantly bigger and has got a lot of new faces in it 
And not only to preserve what we've got, but to include and draw in any, any newcomers that come so that they become family. That's the challenge, isn't it? It's like it, you can maintain what you've got, and uh, like with 100 odd so friends, you can know everyone's name and really kind of interact, you know, not on a daily basis, but, you know, reasonably regularly. But as things get bigger, that's going to get more difficult. And, you know, how do we welcome those people in? How do we draw them into the kingdom? How do we make them a part of the family? And we will be exploring. And anyone who's got any great ideas about it, please come and tell me and we will get going on it. But it's the reaching out bit that I want to just look at um, for today. And uh, did you want to say something on your, on that bit? Have you got some? Yeah, yeah. About reaching out on making space. You don't have to. No, I'd love to. Let's make it up as we go along. I'll sit down. Yeah. Um, this passage um, has been in my Bible study every day this week. And if you've got a Bible, you might like to look at it now. It's Psalm 15. Psalm of David, Psalm 15. And he asked this great question at the beginning about who can dwell in God's presence? Who may dwell in your sanctuary? Who may live on your holy, holy hill about having not just little transient experiences of God every now and then, but really uh, abiding, remaining connected to God all the time? And he asks that question and then goes on to answer it with a series of sort of bullet points from verse 2 onwards. And he says, he whose walk is blameless, who does what is righteous. That's in our theme, salvation and righteousness. Yeah, but what does that mean? You know, what does that actually look like to have a walk that's blameless um, or a lifestyle that is righteous? And then he really unpacks it. And he says, the person who speaks the truth from his heart. So that's something that we need to adopt in our lives. But then there's three things that are specifically about how we relate to the people around us. He who has no slander on his tongue. So slander is saying, and dishonourable things about other people. Um, who does his neighbour no wrong? Now we're getting down to the nitty gritty. Actually, how we relate to our neighbour, God counts in the big picture of um, whether we can really dwell in his presence. And casts no slur on his fellow man. All three things about um, relating to people near you, your fellow man, your neighbour, uh, the people that we know. And I really felt like God has been confirming to me this week the importance of the real nitty-grittiness of loving our neighbour. Knowing our neighbours, relating to our neighbours, speaking well of them even when they do annoying things or are not 
respecting you and so on. But God is bringing it down to a really practical level that those who set their lives to constantly live in this way of refusing to cast a slur, join in with gossip or do any harm to a neighbour, he says if you live that way you position yourself for a permanent connection with the Lord that you can dwell on his holy hill and live um, in, well, the other way around, dwell in his sanctuary and live on his holy hill. And who keeps his oath even when it hurts, being the kind of person who, when we said we're going to do something, does it. Keeps his oath even. God is putting a high value on those things. That's what righteous living looks like, these sorts of things. And these sorts of things position us for an ongoing connection with the Lord. He finishes the psalm by saying, He who does these things will never be shaken. That's amazing, isn't it? You know? So, I want to throw out the challenge to us over this next few weeks. Look at your relationship with your neighbours, literally your neighbours. Do you know them? Do they know you? Do you love them? Can you help each other? How do you speak about them behind their backs and to their faces? And... Um, about setting up an atmosphere where the dwelling, indwelling presence of the Lord can remain because for some reason God counts that as important. Is that what we... Yeah, good. Very good. And this thing about neighbours I think is is like very critical um, because if we are to, to come down now to the last one, to be constantly reaching out. You can't reach out to someone you don't really know. Well, you can. You can go and stand on a street corner and hand out bits of paper and stuff. But I don't think it works very well. And in order to be able to reach out and draw people uh, to be able to tell them about something good that you've got, you need to know them in the first place. And so I'd like to double up on that challenge and say, do we, do we know our neighbours? Do we... You know, of of your acquaintances, how many uh, people do you know who don't who don't know about Jesus yet? How many people do you meet with, sort of fairly regularly and stuff like that? And it and it is a little bit of a challenge um, because we all get so busy and so wrapped up in our own lives that we're only kind of going around the same set of people again and again. And we need to adjust that. We need to be thinking how. Can we naturally just sort of, apart from anything, it's fun. It's actually fun getting, we've just been out, we've had a lovely barbecue this afternoon with our, all our neighbours. Yes, well, we smell smoky, but one of our neighbours decided to do a community recycling scheme. They took the cooker outside there to go and take it for scrap metal and stuff um, for it. But they said, they said, let's get all the stuff together, let's all get all our scrap metal together and, and get some money for it, because you still get quite a bit of money for it. And the money we get, we'll give half to charity, and the other half we'll have a jolly good party with, and we'll get a few bottles of wine in and uh, and get and sit down together. And, and a lot of meat, yes. And why is it with barbecues? It's the only meal where you think you need five different pieces of meat. 
There was just there was just nothing out. You you know a pork chop, a quarter of a chicken, sausages, burgers. Oh man, it was just like and there's always loads left over. But nonetheless, it was very good. It was very good, and uh, I think a lot of this has sprung out of the houses of prayer, community blessings, where. We're really starting to bless our neighbours and just bless them to succeed. And we've got to know quite a few of them. And we're having a really good time. Really good time. And there's no, we're not, we've not not got any target, have we? We're not trying to proselytise them or anything. We just want to get to know them and be there to sort of help each other. And uh, it's really working well. But I would challenge you to sort of say, you know, how, how, do you know your your, your neighbours around you and uh, can you be a blessing to them? The last bit, I just, want, I just felt that it would be right to just reshare this testimony of when we were out in Uganda because, you know, something happened when we went out there and Elliot was there, he was <laughs> in the thick of it and everything. But, you know, I, I saw something there that has changed the way that I think. And I, I think it's pertinent to this, this whole reaching out. You see, because people do find it difficult to, to think, why do you do this? Why do you come together and sing songs and do weird stuff and all of that in church? And the answer is because he's real. He actually exists and he wants to be in a personal relationship with you. And... Um, you know, one of the greatest ways to show that is through the power of God. And when we were out there in Uganda, we, we had this um, time. Now, forgive me for those who've heard it, but we'll say it again anyway. But we, were, we had these meetings in the evening where they put up this rickety old stage about kind of four or five foot off the ground made out of bits of tree trunk. And they would get up on there with a PA and just start telling stories through the microphone and, and doing music, doing a bit of African worship and stuff like that. And people would come from everywhere, out of the undergrowth, and just gather around and listen and watch. And this one night, this woman came up to us. And we, we, when you're over there, you do attract attention, you know, because you're white and everyone else is black. You, and, and a lot of them haven't seen many white people at all, especially when you get out in the villages. They Literally, you come and they sit you down in a little seat, the, the seats of honour, and you're kind of sitting there waiting. And this whole row of children just come. And they stand at you like that, kind of loads of them. And, and all the action's going on on the stage over there, and you feel like, turn around, watch what I said. Oh no, they want to look at you. But uh, once, you, once you get past all of that, it's... Yeah. But this one night, this lady who, um, I, I'm guessing she was 20-something years old, 20-something years old, young mum, with, a, with about a two-year-old boy, I think, one, one and a half to two years old. And she, she, I think she did speak English, but someone came and said, this lady wants you to pray for her boy because her boy is lame he can't walk and she has to carry him everywhere and um, so he said yeah we'll pray and um, so in fact it was just me that first night wasn't it and uh, I was praying 
for this little boy and he was in de- misery he was in desperate pain it, and i got a little bit of the story sort of halfway through the thing which had he'd been injected when he was a a baby um and it might have been something to do with malaria because i think quinine was mentioned in it somewhere and uh, it had like hit a nerve in his in his backside and damaged it and what it had done is like it made his leg kind of stick like this and he couldn't stretch it out and he couldn't put any weight on it and every time you went to put him down he would hit the roof and it, I'd say if anyone suffered from sciatica or any nerve problems you know what that feels like. Anyway, this little boy was just dribbling and drooling and being sick because of the pain. Just He was in constant pain and he couldn't get comfortable even in his mum's arms. So we start praying and he pushes my hand away and get out of here, leave me alone. That's it. And we and I just and I was praying and I'm saying, come on, God, this is your chance to do this, to show your mighty power. And we're praying and praying and like literally 45 minutes or so, and nothing's happening at all. And this little boy's just kind of cross. And um, so in the end, did you pray the first night? Did I? I, Yeah, I got you in at the end, didn't I? Because I thought I thought I'd get Heather in, and then I could walk off at the side and let her finish off. But now we both stayed and carried on praying, but still nothing happened. And so in the end, it's getting dark and they're winding up and we say, right, come back tomorrow because we're here for one more night and we'll pray again. And um, so, I mean, I didn't expect her to return, but miraculous, she did. I mean, I, I, you know, if I had been her, I'd have gone somewhere else, someone who really was a man of power. And... Um, but she came back and said, will you pray again? And she said, I think there's been a bit of improvement because I saw him trying to stand up this morning and he hasn't like done that before. And so we pray again. So again, nothing seems to be happening. It's like we're there for another 45 minutes or an hour or so, just praying and praying and praying and getting a bit embarrassed by it, really. You're thinking, OK, you can go now. Um, we're getting a bit tired. We need to have a sit down or something. And uh, and so in the end, Heather says, why don't you just try, pop him down, see if there's any progress. And so the mum goes to put this baby down. He's quite a chunk. He's quite a heavy little chap. He goes to put him down. And, of course, he starts to hit the roof because he's got this association with as soon as I touch that floor, it's going to hurt like Dickens. And um, he goes down and starts to sweat. But then the minute his good leg touches the ground, you see this look come over his face saying, hang on a minute, something's different here, something's different. And then right before our eyes, you see him stretch this leg out. Now, that leg would not bend. I, I, was, I kind of was experimenting a bit in the hour and a half to two hours that we were praying. And that leg was solid, I'm telling you. It was like rigid. And, um, but he stretches it out and plonks it on the floor. And he kind of looks so pleased with himself. He kind of looks up and says, okay, look at me. And so he said to the mum, has he done that before? And she said, no, he can't do that. He's healed. And so I step away from him, like about 10 feet away or so, and I say, come on then. And, and he toddles over. He kind of gets, he walks over and... The mum just goes absolutely ballistic. I mean, she's been carrying this, like, sack of potatoes around for, like, so long. 
And uh, just, uh, we were just, I mean, no one was more excited than I was. Um, and so then we kind of turn him around and, like little clockwork toy, so go on then, <laughs> go back and he toddles off back to his mum and jumps up and he's absolutely, all the pain has gone out of his face that whereas he was like just drool, you know, slathering down his chin because he was just constantly crying and um, just his whole face changed. And he instantly went to just, little boy, right, what can I do now? Let's move on. Is there any games, anything I can, any mischief I can get into or whatever? But just to see that change that came over him, I will never be the same again, having seen that. I now know that it's real, and I know that it can happen, okay? And uh, to see something physical and tangible before my eyes like that means that, you know, he's there and he's on the case and they got him up on the stage and he was toddling backwards and forwards on the stage and mum gave her testimony and all of that and, you know, people were very, very excited. Now that, you know, is a miracle, isn't it? It is a miracle. There's no, there's no two ways about it. Uh, we, we did have Victoria with us, who's a doctor now, and at Paul, so be careful if you need to go in there. <laughs> no, no, she'll be take good care of you. Uh, but she was explaining how, you know, what that was about and how the nerve can get damaged and how it's quite kind of regular, it happens over there. But, you know, that should not have got better very quickly like that, should it? Those, those things take a long time to repair. And, you know, like six months to a year or something. And sometimes they just don't get better at all. And they're just kind of left in pain for, for forever. So that was the miracle power of God. And I think, you know, okay, we can go to that next scripture now, actually. I remember what that was about. Because here you see, these are the disciples in the Acts of the Apostles. And they say, now, Lord, hear their threats. They'd been kind of turned over by the local Sanhedrin and all of that stuff um, uh, for preaching the gospel. It says, Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power and may miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And these were the disciples of Jesus who were calling out to God for miraculous power. And I think I think it would be quite useful, actually, because I th- we do need to do it. I think we need to do it, because if people saw something before their eyes like that, it would change them forever. It's changed me forever. And I, you know, I've been a Christian for quite a long time. But, you know, what, what's next on here? Yeah, a miracle. It is a miracle, that's the thing. That's an effect or an extraordinary event in the physical world that surpasses all known human or natural powers and is ascribed to a supernatural cause. That's the definition of a miracle. That's just kind of a kind of wiki definitions or whatever. Uh, no, uh, I'm finishing that one. Such an effect or an event manifesting or considered as a work of God, a wonder or a marvel. That's what the disciples were calling out for. Stretch forth your hand in miraculous power. And I think that's what God wants to do. I think he wants to do it amongst us and he wants to do it for the sake of his name in the nation around us. I think I'm going to finish there because it's it's been a while. 
And it would be good to just finish up and pray because I think it sort of needs responding to, really, in a way, doesn't it? So um, I, I've just got a feeling that God wants to help us to kind of get launched into this. Now, I have been a Christian quite a long time and I've prayed for a lot of people who've been sick and, you know, we've seen measures of success at different times. Um, but I've never really seen, like, something as, as definite as that before. I shared this once before, but then didn't get a chance to pray for anyone afterwards. And I would like to do that now. And I, I would say, if there is anyone here who is facing kind of a set of circumstances for which there is no... Um, there's nothing physically that you can do. You know, you're like you're stuck. You're absolutely stuck. You've had some kind of medical... Uh, diagnosis or whatever that says no you've got this now and you've just got to you just got to live with it or you're facing some kind of debt or whatever that you just think I've got no way out I'm stuck that is what a miracle is about it's it's about doing you know I think there are a number of people who have actually been led into a position where they've run out of options they've run out of plan B's one of the reasons why we find it so difficult to see the power of God at work is because we have so many plans C, D, E, F, G, H. You know, we are a resourceful people. But I think there are some people here who have run out of kind of extra plans and extra ways out. And I would really like to pray with you tonight and, and anyone else who wants to get involved in that, any other kind of ministry team and stuff who are here. But it would be good. Now... One thing that is worth thinking about is, you know, that story in, in Uganda. We were praying for quite a while on that. You know, like 45 minutes each time over two days. Perhaps a little bit longer, I don't know. Time does fly when you're enjoying yourself. But, um, you know, sometimes I think we just move on a little bit quickly. We, we kind of go on to plan B and say, oh, well, perhaps it's not my time. And, you know, after... 30 seconds of someone praying for you or something. Just be prepared to hang on with us for a little while. And, you know, let's commit ourselves to seeing the power of God released amongst us. That'd be okay. And is there anyone else you want to, like, get people to pray as well and respond? Yeah. So, any of those things that Phil mentioned, but also if you just turned up tonight thinking, I really need to get a breakthrough in something, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get prayer, come, come on up. Or if you'd like to respond to what I was saying about getting to know God, becoming a Christian, you know, setting your life before him and taking up that destiny, then feel free to come up. So ministry team will be wearing one of these little badges that says, I'm happy to pray with you. And we'll give over some time to that now, shall we? So, shall we stand first and pray? What do you want we to do? And if people need to go, they, yeah. can, they can go. Okay, so let's stand. Thank you, Lord.